0: Hi everybody, welcome to the very first episode of the Grumpy Bunny. We've been having a couple technical difficulties getting things going this uh, for my very first show. But without further ado, let's get started. And hi, my name is Derek and I'm gonna be your host for the Grumpy Bunny. This is gonna be a nice food and lifestyle show. We'll talk recipes and how to cook stuff and everything that has to do with being around the house. But for the most part right now, food. I'd like to go ahead and thank iLogic uh, Media for giving me a chance to have this podcast. And I definitely want to thank my executive producer, Johnny Danger, for handling all of the things that happen behind the scenes. Without him, I don't think we could have this podcast. So without let's get started on that. This this episode, our very first episode, so if I fumble a little bit, please excuse me, is going to be with our my favorite chicken enchilada casserole. It's a family dish that I have known for my entire life. I have made it for years, it's my favorite. And my other favorite is going to be our granola, which we'll make a little bit later. Super easy, super, super easy. I mean, stupid easy. So let's get started with our chicken enchilada casserole. Uh, you Hopefully, as we're gonna start with shredded chicken, I've gone ahead and I did cook off the chicken ahead of time and then I shredded it. You don't have to do that if you don't want. As a matter of fact, I have something to show you. You can just as easily use a rotisserie chicken that you grab from the store. Just take the time, make sure it gets down to a refrigerator temperature before you take it off the bone. It works just as well. But for the purposes of this recipe, I'm gonna go ahead and use this shredded chicken right here. So I have got about one and a half to two pounds of chicken breast and with that i'm going to go ahead and add black olives two ounces of black olives you can get them in small cans diced or sliced doesn't matter and then two ounces of green chilies i like a mild green chili i'm not a big fan of spicy food they give me a little bit of heartburn but if you do like spicy food you can use things like the sliced jalapenos just as well you just want to make sure that if you're getting them from the can include a little bit of the juice into the dish you're, uh, Using uh, cooked chicken means that it's going to be a little bit drier, so you kind of want to take what moisture you can, especially if it's going to be the juice of something like the chilies. Which will provide even more heat and flavor so i'm going to go ahead and give that a little bit of a mix up here, my gosh it smells good hope everybody's having a good day today, I know that I am having a good day and I. uh, (laughs) An interesting day, this is this is fun right, so I have that mixed up just a little bit and i'm going to add two ounces of sour cream. And then I'm also going to add some cream cheese. Just put A little bit of that in there. It's about like that. And then some of this cream cheese here. Fun fact on cream cheese, it also works like butter. So the ounces will be right here on the side. I'm just going to put this portion off right here. Toss that in there. I'm gonna make sure that I mix this in really well before I go further. Definitely don't wanna have any clumps of the sour cream and I don't wanna have any chunks of cream cheese. I do need that creaminess to be kind of mixed throughout. So I'll give it a good smash in here. Also helps too if you haven't really broken the chicken down as much as you'd like. When you're mixing everything in here, it kind of gets it all you know you've had a bad day or you're just a little angry and you just want to smash things down a little bit but, you know it's fine get out you know, might you know, get out that aggression right so perfect so now that i have that mixed in here just like that i'm going to go ahead and add my seasonings i'm going to start first with chili powder i'm going to use about three quarters of a teaspoon fun fact the teaspoon is actually a teaspoon not a tablespoon, you can just toss that right in here. If this is something that you are a big fan of spice, you can always add a little bit more or a little bit less. It's one of the reasons why I like to use, in this recipe in general, using the cooked chicken, because it allows me to taste my dish before I am actually putting it all together. If it needs to be a little spicier, or if I've gone a little too overboard, something like that, I can make the amends that I need to before I put it into the oven. So I'll take that in there, and a little bit of pepper, some kosher salt. That's a lot of salt. Like a lot, a lot of salt. Just put that over here. Stir that in here. And I'll give that a taste. Not gonna lie, if you weren't here, I'd probably use my hands good. So one thing that I love is ground cumin. Makes a lot of dishes a lot better. It wasn't on the ingredient list because this isn't how my mom wrote this recipe. And I want you to have the original but I love just a touch. So I'm going to add probably about a half a a little less than a half a teaspoon in there. Mix that up. It brings a nice kind of dark earthy flavors to this, which is one of the things that I really like. Almost a smoky Kind of <laughs> good to go so a couple of things before we go on if you did use a rotisserie chicken which is perfectly fine i'd probably wait to add something like salt pepper cumin or any of the uh, other than the chili powder until i've had a chance to taste the dish there could be some seasonings that have cooked into the chicken itself the rotisserie chicken at its time and you definitely don't want to have over salted or over seasoned um the chicken as it's going in there so that just just so you're aware like i said if you are happening to use uh make the grab that chicken from the store which is perfectly fine it's one of the things that i really like about this dish is that you can make it as difficult as you want or you can make it as uh, easy as you want going and using all fresh chilies and everything like that to using everything from a can you know one of the things that i uh my mom used to make this for was when people had uh, passed away, we would have been, you know, passed off to families so and we would always get just a little bit excited whenever we, uh, let's just move on from there. <laughs> so I've got all my seasonings in there and I'm gonna grab my cheese. You'll notice if you had the recipe book and actually we should probably step back. Hopefully you've preheated your oven to 375 degrees. If you haven't, you might wanna go ahead and do that now. So now we're back to the cheese portion. I'm gonna, if I have a nice big thing of cheese here. Uh, You'll see in the recipe and in the instructions for that recipe, I said to portion out those cheese into four different portions. You want to have eight ounces of cheese total, but in two ounce portions. I roughly use about one handful here is about two ounces, but if you want to measure that out, that's perfectly fine. I'm also going ahead and putting in this cheese at the very last instant. I'm gonna mix it into, the, uh, into this mixture, but I'm not trying to blend it into and kind of lose the cheese into the chicken mixture. So if you're listening, it, you'll see that the chicken and the, or, and the cheese mixture kind of just stay together, but see separate. If you can see, you'll see how it's just kind of on the top, not, you know, it's all mixed through but not mixed in, all right? So I'm also gonna take a look. It looks like right here that I have a pretty good moisture content in my chicken. You may need to add a little bit more, some chicken broth, a touch of water if you need be, to make sure that the chicken mixture itself has enough moisture when you get, so I can it here. So to make sure I have that all mixed in here, right? (laughs) And I think I do. So now I've got my chicken mixture right here. I'm gonna set this up here. I've got my cheese set right here. I'm gonna set that off to the corner here. And I'm going to prepare my tortillas, the fun part and the messiest part of the whole thing. So I have my cream of chicken soup. Everything I'm using is gluten free. I have something called celiac sprue, which is an allergy to uh, actually, it's an intolerance to gluten. I, 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 my body doesn't process this. So I'm using a gluten free chick uh, cream of chicken soup that's been condensed. And I'm using half of the of a can of the chicken noodle of of the soup. So I'm basically using half of that can, leaving it the soup mixture sl- like a split pea soup. You know, I'm not worried about trying to get the chunks out or anything too dramatic. I'm gonna set that to the side here. I'm gonna take my eight by eight casserole dish. And I'm going to lightly spray it with just a little bit of canola oil. The idea behind that is I don't necessarily want the tortillas to stick to the dish itself. I you know, so, and it just helps everything cook. Now for the fun part. So if you're doing an 8x8 eight eight tortilla dish, it's probably going to take you about 9 tortillas total. I'm going to split the tortillas in half. Except for 3. And that way, it'll be a little bit easier for me to put inside this dish. Well, hey, buddy. I have a dog here, and he's looking at me all expecting like so. So I'm going to have these right here. And the first thing I'm going to do is take one corn tortilla. I'm going to lightly dip it in this mixture. And I'm going to, for the eight by eight casserole dish, I'm going to place it right in the middle. Then I'm going to take my pieces that I've halved. Again, lightly dip those in here, and place these around the edge. I'm bringing the edges of the tortilla around the edge up just a touch. I would say probably about a little less than a quarter of the way. And the reason why I'm splitting these tortillas up is that I do want to make sure that I have pretty good coverage across the bottom of my pan. But I don't want to have you know large overlapping pieces of tortilla. Just kind of makes for quite a starchy meal here. So almost looks like a little flower. So as you can see, I have the bottom completely covered. A little bit up to the top here. Trying my do my best not to overlap too. Then I'm gonna take my chicken mixture. and I'm gonna put about half of this mixture in here. So if you've used an entire chicken, you might have some extra. So I might suggest using the nine by 13. Um, It's okay to have a little bit of this leftover too, especially if you're not planning on eating this the day that you make it. You can make quesadillas with some of the leftover corn tortillas that you have and cheese and use this mixture. I mean, there's so many things that you can do here. So we've gone in here, placing this, just going to use my hands because this makes for easier working with. And in the end, I'm going to be the only one eating this anyway, right? So, well, that and my spouse, Chris, he'll probably eat some of this too. So I put some of that in there. See, brings it up a little less than halfway. going to wash my food straight. And then I'm going to take a small handful of the cheese or another one quarter portion, sprinkle that over the top. You know, as a matter of fact, while I use it, I have one in the oven that should be almost uh, ready for me to take the foil off, which we'll talk about in a bit. Oh, look at that. Put that back in there. Thanks for your patience on that. So I've got the cheese and my first layer of the chicken. Again, I'm going to take one full tortilla, mix it, dip it in my mixture here. I'm going to put it right in the middle. I'm going to split these two tortillas in half. Again, placing them around the edges. So I'm not necessarily trying to get these to come up around. I just kind of want to make sure I'm making a nice little shelf for my next layer here. And again, as you can see here. I have created another almost flower perspective one full tortilla in quarter tortillas around the corner edges like that. And I'm going to take the rest of my chicken mixture. And place that right on top, spreading this out, making a nice even thing, making sure that I'm bringing all my chicken pieces to the edge of this ring. Definitely don't want to, you know, slice into this later and have a nice air pocket of nothing, you know. Like that. Make sure I get all of the goodness here. And then for my final, I'm going to make one top layer. Using, again, one whole tortilla, quickly dipping. bringing this into the top like this. So yeah, growing up, man, I, this was my favorite dish. My friends actually asked me to make this dish quite a bit, although after having had to have eaten this now, I think for quite, oh, you know what I didn't do? We got to take everything off, ah, I'm sorry. One quarter of our cheese, cheese here. My apologies on that, I can't forget the cheese. <laughs> now I'm just gonna go ahead and put my enchilada top back on my enchilada casserole here just like so so around this portion i'm going to make sure that i get my tortilla to the edge and then i'm going to try to tuck the tortilla into the chicken in the top so it kind of gives it this almost rounded top to it okay and then i'm going to take the last quarter of cheese that I have, sprinkle that over the top, and then I'm going to take some of the condensed milk leftover mixture that I have left over, and kind of just give it a little bit of liquid on the top, just like that, okay, pretty easy, right? The last thing that we need to do is wrap it in aluminum foil and put it in the oven. Now, like I said before, if you are not trying to eat this right away, this is a dish that you can sometimes make the night before and then kind of throw it in the fridge and then toss it in for dinner that night. I think it has a lot more flavor to have a chance for some of the seasonings and such to combine but you can most definitely toss it straight into the oven from, the, uh, from when you're finished with that. You're just going to put it in there for about 30 minutes to 35 until it starts to bubble in the, at the base of your casserole and the cheese is melted on the very top layer. Then you're going to want to take the aluminum foil off like you saw me do earlier, and you're going to want to let it cook for, again for another 10 to 15 minutes until the edges of the, uh, cas- the casserole are crispy, that cheese has got a nice light crust on the top, and the whole uh, enchilada casserole itself is bubbling throughout. So let's see where we're at right now. Through the wonders of television, or not television, through the wonders of not television, <laughs> this is not quite done yet. So we're gonna to continue to let this cook as I go through some of my other uh, stuff, we'll clean up. Some of the substitutions that you can totally use with this, if you wanna use a dairy-free cheese, that's perfectly fine. I would make sure that you're using something that has a lower oil content so that you don't necessarily want the anything to separate while you're putting it in the oven. You can also, like I said before, substitute um, uh, hotter spices for this. You don't have to use the chili powder, but I kind of wanted to pay uh, respects to the recipe as it was when we first had it. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull this out even though it's not done, so you can see what it looks like. I was hoping to have this all done and finished so I could dress it for you. But obviously being my very first podcast, I have failed, (laughs) (laughs) but you should be able to see like here at the bottoms that it has started to kind of bubble and crispify up at the bottom. My cheese is melted on the top. I would have liked this to have been a little crunch, uh, crunchier to show you dark on the top. It's, It's actually okay to have that kind of almost crispy, crunchy texture. It, blends real well with the creamy flavors of the chicken. So, again, I'm gonna toss this back in the oven and I'll have this a little bit later to show everybody. Ah. And that was my chicken enchilada casserole. Well, that was my almost chicken uh, chicken enchilada casserole. What did you think? Right? Fun. So we're going to take a second. I'm going to clear some things off. I meant to tell you too. make sure that if you like the recipes that you're going, you can go to ilogicmedia.com and you can download all of the recipes for this episode. You'll also be able to watch any of our uh, shows that we have the future. And if you missed this show, you can watch that also on demand. Make sure you take some time to check out some of the other things that ilogicmedia has to offer. We have a lot of really great podcasts and videos and all sorts of fun stuff that I'd love for you to check out. All right, so let's move to granola, right? We've had dinner, now we're gonna have breakfast. So I love granola. Um, Being a celiac, it's oftentimes really tough for me to find breakfast food that I could actually eat that won't make me sick. So a while back, I tried different recipes and different ways to make things and I, I found a really simple and really easy granola recipe that works it makes for very low-cost food, um, a breakfast cereal. It's I'm able to make sure that I know exactly how much sugar or other materials that are going into my uh, granola and any of my food, which is one of the things that I really like. And I'm able to see what I'm putting in. And I can change it up if I don't want something else that can have it, you know, a whole weight. So let's get started. First things first, let's get our supplies. You're going to need maple syrup, oats, brown sugar, some salt, vegetable oil, cashews, almonds, and that's it. The first thing that we're going to do is I'm going to use a large bowl to combine my oats. I have my granola or rolled oats too. Uh, I'm using gluten-free oats, obviously, I'm going to use this my, my scoop here for three cups. Fun fact, you know there's a difference between a what for dry measuring stuff for dry and for wet. Shall I always use a cup like this for when you're using dry ingredients and when you're using wet ingredients you'll use this. So I have my oats in here. That's three cups of oats. You use you're one cup of slivered almonds. It's actually a little tough for me to find slivered almonds. <laughs> so I actually have right here. That is not good knife safety, by the way, just so you all are aware. So I'm going to do one cup of almonds and one cup of cashews. So I'm using raw uh, almonds and raw cashews just because they. when you buy them in the store, just because they say raw, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are raw. Cashews, for example, if they haven't been uh, steamed and the husks pull out, are actually poisonous. Did you know that cashews are also related to mangoes, which mangoes are actually related to pistachios? So that means that cashews, pistachios, and mangoes are all related? I didn't know that, but anyway, back to what I was talking about. I'm using the raw cashews, raw almonds, rather than using the roasted ones, because if I use a roasted nut, when I go to roast my granola, it's just going to turn my nuts into some sort of powdery flavorless material. So raw's good. Unsalted's even, uh, raw good. Unsalted, even raw unsalted perfectly fine. I'm going to go ahead and give that a little bit of a mix here. You also notice that you're going to want to add some coconut. I couldn't find regular coconut i could only find a toasted coconut and you really again want to use a raw coconut if possible so you add that in there one of the things that i love about this granola recipe and like you will find in any of my shows uh recipes is that i absolutely love things that can be adaptable so if you're not a big fan of cashews don't use cashews use something else you want to use walnuts use walnuts you want to try flax seeds or Keep, you know, whatever you want, it doesn't it doesn't matter. The thing that I would be aware of is is that you wanna keep your nuts to a specific size. If you're using something like a small flax seed or a chia seed, you may wanna add those a little bit later in the cooking process, that way that the chia seeds and the flax seeds don't burn while the other stuff hasn't had time to cook. All right, so I have my slip almonds, I have my cashews, and I have my rolled oats. I'm gonna go ahead and add some salt. Three quarters of a teaspoon again if you're someone that doesn't really want to put any salt into this you don't have to that's one of the joys of that and brown sugar you can use a light brown sugar or a dark brown sugar i made this a few different ways you can use a really great um, there's a, uh, a sugar substitute that uh makes a really great brown sugar that you can use that's perfectly fine the thing that you want to make sure that you do is a quarter cup plus two tablespoons of this. And that's the same for if you're using a sugar substitute too. I found out that uh, it turned out just as well using the same amount for both. I'm gonna go ahead and give that a good mix here. Now in a separate container, now I'm just gonna use this liquid one right here. But you don't want to necessarily do these ingredients separately, you want to put the liquid in with the dry at the same time. So I'm going to take a quarter cup. Plus two tablespoons, which we'll do in a second. And then a quarter cup of vegetable oil. I'm going to use an olive oil, you can use the sunflower oil. Um, you, uh, canola oil it th- that doesn't matter you definitely want to make sure that it is a oil that is good for both roasting and baking um, and you know a peanut oil so again I'm doing a little a quarter of a cup of vegetable oil which is going to bring in this container to a half a cup and then again I go, I go through so many spoons two tablespoons I love maple syrup. I did try this recipe using honey instead of the maple syrup. I found that it made a different consistency. It was okay. You may want to use a little bit less honey and you have to use a little bit more vegetable oil and at that point if you're just using a good grade A honey that works just as well. Okay so I've got my dry ingredients here and I have my wet ingredients here. I'm going to there's, you notice that like on the recipe, if you downloaded it from iLogic media and the Gruppy bunny portion of the uh, podcast area, you'll see that I didn't add spices to that I, I left that intentionally open for you. Some people may not like cinnamon, you may be a fan of different flavors, try them, use them. My two particular favorites are allspice and nutmeg. I know I'm a weirdo. When I just put just a little bit in, I will tell you when it comes to uh, flavoring your granola, less is more. You can always add more later on or something like that, but man, I'll tell you, add a little bit too much allspice and you can't take that back. I'm gonna go ahead and mix that in here like so. So I'm gonna take my wet ingredients, mix that in together. I'm gonna keep mixing this until all of this mixture has the same even coating i don't want to have parts of my oatmeal uh the oats that aren't covered in this i don't want to have you know a chunk of this you know stuck somewhere caramelizing into you know gosh knows what so when i'm finished mixing this every single piece will have a nice shiny texture to it. See that color on it? You'll see that it's still falling apart. You know, it's not super wet, but you can tell. You know, it's like it went tanning, you know, went to the beach. It's got it all, the beach. I don't know where you are, but it is 11 degrees outside today, and oh, what I would not give for some beach. Oh, you know, yeah, warm. warm. Oh. All right, back to our granola. So here's my granola mixture here. I have a pan. I'm gonna take some parchment paper. If you don't have parchment paper, that's that's perfectly fine. You can use, um, you can just lightly spray down the a, a cookie sheet, or even better, if you are gonna use sheet pans, um, use a um, a nonstick sheet pan. You're perfectly fine. I just kind of like using the parchment paper because. It's less of a mess later on. So I'm going to spread this here. You may need two sheet pans for this, depending on how you like your granola. I kind of like a crunchier granola, so I am going to leave my layer a little bit thicker than normal. So it should look like that, right? Nice, shiny texture on there. Get all this stuff in here. And then I'm going to toss it in the oven at 250 degrees. I have so much stuff in the oven. So that's going to bake for about an hour and 15 minutes. Once every 20 to 25 minutes, you may want to go ahead and take a stir, uh, a stir to it. You don't want the top layer to cook before the bottom layer, and it kind of just ensures the fact that everything mixes evenly. After it's cooked for about an hour and a half or I'm sorry, an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half, you'll see that the color will change to it. It's got this nice dark rich texture to it. It's got great flavor. It's still warm and your house. Oh my gosh. Your house will smell so good. So the difference you'll see here before when I put it in the oven that it was light, um, you know, this light tan. Now I've got these dark rich caramel notes to it. My, and cashews and my walnuts are perfectly, you know, toasted, My uh, <laughs> and my nuts are warm. So that's my granola. One of the things that I really like to do with the granola is I'll take something small like these little mason jars here, and I'll scoop it in here like so. Leave a little bit of room at the top. I'll cap it off. Perfect thing. I can just take some yogurt that I have. I can dump the yogurt right into the top of here and then I can shake it. Or the same thing I can do with milk. I just pour it in there, and then I've got an easy go-to thing every day. These are good. If you put it into an airtight container and store it, you can store it for typically about seven days. What I like to do is if I make big, giant batches of it, I will take it, I will put them in freezer bags, I'll freeze half of it, and then I'll store half of it, and then when I'm done, and that that can last upwards of three to five months. So I fed you dinner, and now I've shown you how to make my breakfast, and You know, for my very first episode, I I think we're almost done. I really hope that if you like these recipes that you take the time to go to, um, (coughs) excuse me, and go to ilogicmedia.com and check out my portion of the podcast. Of course, check out all of the other podcasts that they have to offer. You'll be able to download the recipes uh, that we did this week, as well as the ingredient list and some instructions for that. Yeah, for you'll be able to uh, rewatch this episode if you'd like, and then you'll be able to see any of my other future episodes uh, as well. Again, thank you so much to iLogic Media for giving me a chance to create this episode. And thank you to everyone who took the time to watch me on my very first episode. I know I may have fumbled through things for a little bit. I promise if you continue to watch, it's only going to get better. I do hope that you stay after the show for a Q&A where we can talk anything that you'd like. I will do my very best to answer all of your questions, whether they pertain to life in general or food or anything to do with substitutions or recipes for here. See me in a couple of weeks when we do uh, pickles. We're going to go ahead and pickle every single vegetable on the planet. We're going to make dog treats for my favorite boy in the whole wide world, this one, and I'm going to show you what you can do with a sweetened condensed milk and a pan of water. So thanks again for seeing my show again, check out iLogic media for all of the great podcasts that they have to offer. And thank you. Thank you very much. And bye. Do we have questions? Comments, questions? Anybody? (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and turn off one of my cameras here. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Thanks a lot, everybody.